Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting today to over 60 countries. And we're broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, which is in the middle of the third most important center in the world for entrepreneurs, startups, angels, VCs, and incubators. Here it's called Silicon Beach, and we're third in the world after Silicon Valley and Tel Aviv. And this is the part of the world where technology and entertainment intersect. And I want to, before I start, I want to thank you for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. I really appreciate that. A lot of amazing things came to my attention this week. It was just a great week for information. The first was the Tomorrow Show. I don't know whether anybody's seen it yet, but it's hosted by an extraordinary young guy named Gray Bright. Not only is Gray a technology whiz, He's a dynamic presenter. He's young. He's good looking. He's got everything going for him. This bloke, I hate him. <clears throat> but watch this guy. He's set for a fantastic career. Not that he hasn't already had one, but um, he's very cool. So keep out, keep your eyes open for to tomorrow's show with Gray Bright. This week, I also heard about the first ever smartphone 3D printer, where you put the printing apparatus on top of your smartphone. And the portable and multi-material printer replicates the design on your smartphone and just builds it above your phone. The most amazing thing about this 3D smartphone printer is that it's priced at just 99 bucks, And it's amazingly accurate. How incredible is that? I also heard about Philips Hue light bulbs, which are creating a new era in home lighting, both in the way we think about and the way we experience lighting in our homes. So lights operate through a bridge that you plug into your home Wi-Fi, um, I guess into the router, and the lighting changes depending on the storyline in the movie you're watching or the music you're listening to. So if somebody's being murdered, I guess the whole room goes red, and if it's somebody peacefully lying down enjoying a sp- or a massage, it's a nice soft blue. It's a lovely idea. I think you might go nuts after a bit, but another extraordinary product I saw during the week enables you to watch a television program, say Star Trek, and uh, you're watching a, a spaceship comes on, and you think, hey, that's cool. I wouldn't mind that. Well, you then just click on that spaceship and print it on your home 3D printer. So no more going and standing at lines at Toys R Us, paying a fortune for merchandise. You just print the bloody thing straight off your TV. How cool is that? I thought that was brilliant. This was also a huge week in retail that's going to be remembered forever. It's the week that retail was transformed. Elon Musk released the new Model 3 Tesla with no advertising just a teaser campaign to watch the unveiling of the car 
and within 48 hours, sales had passed $12 billion. $12 billion. There's no car going to be available for 18 months. So 250,000 people bought a car, sight unseen, no cars available, and Musk generated $250 million in cash to use in the next 18 months. <laughs> wow. The future for electric cars looks extremely bright indeed. I remember just three or four years ago speaking to people and they said, oh, electric cars, nah, never bloody work. You know, they're an oddity. You'll get the odd few here and there. Hmm, really? I think cars that just stick that smelly liquid shit in, days are numbered. Now, almost every business at one stage or another, particularly if you're a startup or you're an early stage business, require investment. So when you sit down to put together an investment document or an investment deck, I guess the first question that comes to your mind is, hmm, I wonder what investors are looking for and I need that so that I can come up with the right, um, the right proposal. And then you really think, mm, I guess what they want most important is a return on their investment. But that's the outcome. So talking about that's really not going to help you put your pitch together. And every investor has their own criteria. But there are a few um, elements that most um, investors share. By understanding at least some of these, you could well be better prepared to make a deal more attractive. It might also explain why you might get some reactions from investors that you didn't expect. So the first place to start is to make sure that the type of investment you're after aligns with the type of investment that the investor typically makes. Some investors only invest in apps, others only in healthcare, some in real estate. So you need to um, do your homework so that you know what they're interested in to determine, first of all, whether you should pitch them at all, and secondly, how to make your deal more attractive. It may also help you to think through what you're actually offering. So when you're starting to do your research, you should look for investors that are reasonably close geographically. Research shows that most investors don't want to invest too far from home. And I think 100 miles, most investors invest within 100 miles of their homes. So you should also ensure they have a history of investing in deals within your industry. I mean, some guy that only invests in abattoirs, you're not going to pitch him a deal for a new water purifier probably. You also should look at, at what stage of a company's evolution do they normally invest? Are they, are they going to invest startup stage or do they want something that's a bit more mature? And so the more you're in line with this sort of criteria, the more likely you'll get a warm reception for investors looking for your type of deal. The next point you should consider is the size of their fund. You know, if you go to a fund, if you're looking for a million dollars and you go to a fund that's um, a $56 billion fund, you know, they, they need big returns. They can't fiddle around with a 
million dollars. They need big returns, irrespective of how successful you think it might be. So all other things being equal, targeting a large potential market is the way to get investors excited. Like, this is a product that every household needs and will buy and then have research to back that up because a huge market means preferably huge sales and a larger potential profit. The next thing they're going to consider is your position in the market as it relates to new or existing competition. I mean, if you've got a stack of competition that's all doing a similar sort of thing, then they're probably not going to be that interested. They want to know that you've got some sort of sustainable advantage that your competitors are not going to be able to um, overcome very easily. They, you know, It's difficult. Maybe you have a unique relationship in your industry that allow you to make deals with partners that no one else can match. Maybe you've got a unique patent on a new product that can, sure, can secure your position as market leader for some time. Nobody ever, um, nobody ever owns the market forever. But um, if you've got a, a unique patent, that certainly helps. The goal is, I guess, to prove that no one else can compete with you on an even playing field and beat you. And it's to prove that when somebody does come in and compete with you, um, you'll be able to fend them off and hopefully bash them into submission. So look for some key leverage points in your business model that can convince investors that you can build a sustainable competitive advantage and drive home those virtues. The social proof, it's something we're all aware of, but it's rarely outlined in a business plan or a presentation. So I guess to put it simply, social proof it's, is just clear evidence that others believe in your vision as much as you do and will testify to the merits of your ideas. You can go out and do a survey, ask 100, 200, 500 people, or you can speak to people in the trade um, get a bunch of advisors that are well-respected in your field who all say, wow, this is great because um, investors like to listen to experts. And if you've got an expert, somebody that's recognised, who says this is a bloody great idea and really should take off, then you're on your way. Another way is to generate some activity with pilot customers. You know, people will provide testimonials that your product not only makes sense, but will be highly successful and actually go out and get the thing and use it. So investors see thousands of business pitches, so they often open up quickly to social proof to help them determine whether other smart respected people have spent the time and attention with your product that will warrant their attention. So demonstrating traction in your business, it's always the best way to get investors interested. You know, even if you've got to bootstrap it like hell um, until you actually get your product out there and you don't have much money to produce too many, um, too much of your product, but you've got enough so that 
you know, you're getting people buying it and using it, even if it's a dribble, because um, once they know people are buying it, they'll support it. Um, investors here, a lot of entrepreneurs talk about their ideas, but, you know, very few people see those ideas through. So signing up early customers, hiring key talent, surrounding yourself by uh, with some mentors and build your product by bootstrapping it are all very positive signs that the entrepreneur is scrappy enough to make the thing work even without substantial capital. Now, every bit of traction matters in the startup pitch, so don't be afraid to emphasise it. Investors will think, wow, if this guy can do this much with this piddly little bit of capital, then he should be able to do a hell of a lot if I put my money in. So when you look back on these comments, what investors are looking for really looks pretty obvious, doesn't it? They're not looking for magical sales presentations or get-rich-quick schemes. They want big, big opportunities that are being driven by people who are credible and hopefully supported by people who are more credible. So that's not really hard to understand. Put yourself in the position of, a, of an investor. Makes sense. Because ultimately, they're just like you. They make lots of bets based on what they believe will be successful. You know, all other evidence aside, they're going to go with their gut as much as you are. So give them something to really believe in. And if you're a regular listener to this program, you'll know that I was recently appointed the Honorary President of the American Institute of Sales, Marketing and Management, a brilliant organisation, which is the premier organisation for business in the US and in the rest of the country, in the west of the world for that matter. Um, I'm also a member of AISMM in Australia, and uh, but there's an AISMM all over the place. And if you're serious about improving your skill level, your status and your network, you really should join today. So go to AISMM.us and uh, join. Put the initials AISMM after your name. Receive a great plaque for your foyer or your boardroom. Um, there's a heap of the latest information, complete business audits, webinars, and a 26-person advisory board with the best reputations on the planet. So go to AISMM and join now. Now, my guest today is Brendan King. He's the CEO of Vendasta, V-E-N-D-A-S-T-A. And Brendan's main focus is to help small businesses do three main things. Monitor, manage, and build their online reputations. Now, right now, at this point in time, this is absolutely critical to every business. I mean, through no fault of your own, you can get hammered on social media and you are out of business. So have a listen to what Brendan's got to say. It's really good advice. And I'll be back with Brendan immediately after this break on the Voice America Business Network.
Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks for being with us. This is the part of the show where we talk to very successful and extraordinary people. You know, it's damned hard to be successful out there. So I've got great admiration for people who are and people that are making a difference. There's some amazingly talented people in this world and it's great to speak to them because they've got so much that they can teach us. My aim when I'm talking to them is to try and find out what it is that makes them tick. What makes them great? What characteristics do they have that we can learn from? Now, a company's online reputation can make or break a business. Now, I've had some experience with um, online reputation. I had a a, um, group that set out to try and besmirch me, and it's it's a, a hard thing to tackle. So just as your profit margins are critical, what people say about your company online can be of great importance to your survival. You know, a negative comment can get echoed around the world in seconds and it doesn't have to be accurate, doesn't have to be true, just has to be out there. And negative reviews are often on websites that rank high in search engines. And as I mentioned, whether it's true or not, these negative search results jeopardise your company's online reputation. And I must admit, I get online and look up a, a company and if it's got a few bad reviews... I'm very hesitant to do business with them. And uh, I know that's very shallow because you don't know whether it's right or not. Today's guest, Brendan King, he's the CEO of Vendasta, V-N-D-A-S-T-A. And Brendan's main focus is to help small businesses to do three main things. Monitor, manage, and build their online reputations. Reputation management is more than just, it's more than just monitoring what customers are saying about you in reviews or social media or any other online source. It's about managing that information and building your digital presence to strengthen your brand. So this is a subject that's really important to all of us and uh, anybody that's in business and even socially. I mean, bad reviews socially (laughs) could probably ruin your sex reputation for a start. So I'm really interested to hear what Brendan has to say. 
Hi, Brendan. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks, Bob. Great to be here. So you're up in Canada and you're not, well, you're cold, but you're not quite freezing to death or buried under seven foot of snow yet. Well, I'm just watching a little bit of snow falling out my window right now. Uh, This is early in the season, so it's still at the stage where it's pretty. Yes, it's still exciting. Just after a couple shovels, it won't be so exciting anymore. That's right. Now, you talk about how small and medium-sized businesses can create a 10 times digital revenue change. What does that mean? Well, I think, you know... I, what I would, you know, what I would say is that uh, small businesses have always, you know, and things haven't really changed as much as people think they have. It's just the, it's where the consumer are that's changed. So, you know, I, I had been in business myself back um, in, in the retail business uh, from uh, '89 to '99 in the computer retail industry, right. and you know, back then. Uh, reputation spread rather slowly. It was word of mouth, and it was what you did in, this, in your store. And so folks would come to see and buy computers, and the way you treated them and how you run your business really built up your reputation slowly over time. Right. Today, reputation spreads a lot quicker. It's it's you know it's like a it's like a viral disease. Remember that movie Outbreak? How yep. fast is you know what's the rate of spread? How fast can it spread? Well, that's what reputation has become. You know the whole sort of premise. Uh, about your about your brand or your reputation has changed. It, it used to be that you could control it more. You know what you would say in the in your media, the way you portray yourselves, the way you treat your customers. But today, um, fortunately or unfortunately, as you uh, talked about in your introduction, it, it's a lot about your brand. Really, becomes what your customers say it is. Yeah. And you know, and sometimes people have an extraordinarily loud and uh, voice uh, even though they you know online even uh, even though they don't they wouldn't in the in the real offline world so the way that people buy has changed you know it used to be that you know we'd spend all that money advertising in the newspaper and the yellow pages or radio and TV and the moment of truth came when people came into the into the store and the cash register rang and you knew that the advertising was working from that and that would, they used to call that the moment of truth on advertising and sure. now it's changed and Google Google's really introduced what they call the zero moment of truth and that's people you know they hear your advertising what do they do if they, if they, if they, if a sort of a want is instilled, you know, whatever it is you're advertising, you're advertising a car, and they, gee, I would like a car, and they go and they search online. Maybe they come directly to your location, but more likely they look for, you know, that particular item or auto dealers. Yep. And uh, two things have to happen. You know, one, they have to find you, and then they, once they find you. They 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 look for you know what what are people saying about you what's your reputation yeah and uh, and so that that sort of becomes the zero moment of truth and when they come now to your establishment whether it's a restaurant or a, or to buy goods they've already made up their mind likely that they're going to deal with you so you know the first moment of truth the in store experience is what happens and then when they leave the store they have what we call the second moment of truth you know they've maybe they've eaten at your restaurant or, or they're or they're you know using the the computer they bought or whatever it might be and now they're going to talk about that online socially you are going to post it on Facebook and Twitter and Foursquare and you know uh, Google Plus and they're going to and that becomes somebody else's that's what we call that the second moment of truth and that becomes somebody else's first moment of truth so really you know we focus in um on on a business, how can they make this digital change? They need to make sure that they're found online because everyone's got a phone with them today, and that's where they look. Yep. And uh, and that when they're found, that their reputation is good. We call it you know the virtual uh, digital doorway or virtual doorway, but really it's the new 
it's the new way that people find you and, and learn about you online. Yeah, I think it's one of the big differences between now and yesterday is that um, if um, you a word spread about something that you did that is negative, um, then it would peter out pretty quickly and not go very far. Today, it's up there online and it's there forever. You know, so yeah, it doesn't go away. So somebody who is no, and we often say, you know, people say, should we respond to these reviews because we're just going to lend credence to someone? You know, if if it's a false thing, um, you know, I would say that you don't respond to the review necessarily for that particular person. Although I, I think you should. I think but you should. That's why, as a business owner, you respond. You respond for the next hundred thousand people that are going to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So it, um, yeah, yeah, and, and you know, somebody who's not born yet can look you up in fifteen years and find a negative review. That's pretty sad. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, and it's you know, it's damned hard. You know, the, the, I guess the other approach is not only answering it but trying to remove it, um, and that is damn near impossible. You know, it's really yeah. Even if it's false, as you, yeah. you know, as even if those, the, even if they're just spurless uh, comments. I mean, you know, I've found with bad reviews of any kind, there's usually three reasons they happen. You know, one is is there was, uh, you know, that there was uh, that you did something wrong. You screwed that up. Happens yeah. from time to time. A business owner yeah, sure. makes a mistake. They screw up. Yep. And so, you know, then then the guy writes his review, and uh, usually you can, uh, the reasonable person, you, you know, you solve it. The guy will change his review, or or at least you're responding that you've changed it. The next person comes along, and says, "Well, that's reasonable. You know, I've all everyone screwed up. I I can understand that. Look at the guy responded. That's exactly what I want in the business. So it's kind of an opportunity. Yeah. The second thing that used that happens, and this is probably most common, is there's a misunderstanding. Business owner really didn't screw up. Consumer had some misunderstanding, you know, and, and so that also can be fixed. And then the third kind, and I think the kind you referred to earlier, is where you've got a troll, where you've got somebody that just can't be happy. And, yeah. you know, people that know this person will know that they're just never happy. But in those particular cases, a lot of people used to say, don't feed the trolls. Yeah. I think you still need to respond and you need to, you know, you need to respond online and try to take it offline. So you just, you offer you to say, hey, you know, we're really sorry this happened. Give me a call at this number. And uh, because the problem with, with trolls is, is there, it's like, it's like wrestling a pig. The pig's going to get, you're both going to get dirty, but the pig is going to like it. Wrestling, so that's, that's, the real, wrestling, that's the real problem. Wrestling a pig, that must be a Canadian thing. <laughs> I thought it was an Australian thing, actually. <laughs> Mate, I've been living in California 27 years, so I'm 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 past the Australian thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I think wrestling a pig just doesn't sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> I think there's I think there's a fourth kind. Um, one of the um, I think something that's really common now is your competitors going out and. Uh, discrediting you everywhere they can online. Yeah, now that's that's the evil kind, right? That's now, really that, evil, that, that, and it happens a lot. That's truly, that's truly despicable, and um, you know it is starting to happen more often. And yeah. you, you know, but here's what's happening: people are actually smarter than you think they are. Oh, really? <laughs> and, uh, and as especially, you know, I mean, generally, but especially the newer consumer. And so a lot of sites, though, are starting to, like, you know, Yelp does a pretty good job, for instance, yep. of screening out those kind of reviews to some extent, but they still get through. Um, but what, what what's happened is, is that, 
you know, if you try to make a review on Google Plus today uh, or Facebook, yeah. you've got your social network behind you to say who you are. Yes. So when you've got a comment coming from, and you look to see who made the comment, and he's got zero friends and he's brand new, and he's got no no credence in the community. Hopefully, those are the kind of things that can mitigate those kind of things from happening. Because, you know, as a consumer, I find reviews useful. You know, yeah, I, 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 if I wanted to get a, especially for things like plumbers, right? And so, you know, <laughs> you, you only need a few reviews in those cases. So you say, I only need a plumber once every, well, hopefully I never need one. But if I, if I do need one, um, I'm going to look, and if, if the guy's got no reviews, I'm probably not going to take a chance on him either. If the guy's yeah. got bad reviews... Um, Probably not, but if he's got reviews that I can look through and say, you know, and read a couple and say, you know what, that sounds reasonable. I yeah. think that, you know, uh, you know, that sure he had a problem here or he's got great reviews here, that hopefully, um, you know, I'd put enough time, at least in those cases, into it to find out to find out that, uh, you know, that looks like that could be a competitive review just or, or sour apples or, or whatnot. On the other side, for a restaurant or something, the review quantity is so high that, the, that the, unless the, uh, unless the, uh, the uh, competitor wants to spend an inordinate amount of time creating new profiles and trying to slag this uh, competitor, they, they probably won't be able to. I mean, they'll, they'll be able to affect it to some degree. But, you know, so, so there's a little bit of... Uh, of, of there, but unfortunately, you're you're right. In some cases, especially for high value services, a couple of bad reviews can be disastrous. And yeah. uh, if they're from a competitor, um, you know you've got not that many options to get it down. The, the best thing you could probably do is respond and say, "I believe this is uh, from a competitor. Give me a call at this number. If you're not, I'd love to make it right." And that and, and that's about all you could do as a business, I would say. Yeah, and people um, people are loyal to um, companies that fess up and and repair whatever's the problem. They they become more loyal and they become advocates, and you know it it, it works for you. Um, you know, totally. I, have, I mean, I always tell people there's no substitute to your to fixing your reputation than to running a good business. There just absolutely isn't. You will get your own customers coming to your defense in those in those situations on those forums, and you know I've seen it happen oh many times where you know you run a good business, you've got loyal uh, followers out there. Someone writes a bad review, uh, your fans will jump to your to your defense. Yeah, I I agree. Um, of course. If you're a restaurateur, for example, you can um, you can retaliate by putting up your own reviews. <laughs> I, mean, the whole, the whole I wouldn't recommend doing that. I, you know, but but yes, if, you know there there are, there are it's unfortunate now that be, be, you know if reviews weren't important, people would ignore them. But the fact is that they are important and they are valuable. And so all the things that you speak of, the gaming of the system, is, is out there. And um, yeah. You know, the biggest defense, I guess, again, I believe, in the future, is this idea of your social network. Right. I mean, you're connected to people that you that, that know you and say, yes, this is who he says he is. Yes. And so, therefore, that, that, you know, when you have more credence to that, and I can see, in particularly reviews now, I can see two or three connections out. I can see that a friend of a friend reviewed that business. That really adds some value to, yep, to, you uh, trust. to yep. the credibility. So... What are the important metrics um, to consider when when you're evaluating your online presence? What are those metrics that you should look at? So, 
as I said, at first off, it's 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 just can you be found? So a lot of businesses. So the and this is really really important. I can't stress this enough. And I I call this local um, search engine optimization or, or local local presence management. And those are yeah. words that small business goes. What the heck are you talking about? But he, let me give an example. And tell and explain why it's important. So there's all these directories out there. Yep. It used to be, you know, the phone book, but it's not that anymore. Now it's Google, Yahoo, Bing, yep. and then it's so those are the search engine directories. And then you've got all the directory, the review sites. So you got, depending on your category, you've got Yelp, you've got City Search, you've got TripAdvisor, you've got Expedia, whatever category you might be thinking there's about. There's a heap of them. Yeah. So you got yeah. and and then and then you've got all the the uh, the yellow page sites, and then you've got the social sites. So, one thing about that is your data has to be the same and correct in those sites. And here's why: when you go to use Google as a consumer, and I type in auto dealer in San Francisco, right? Or be even more specific: BMW dealer in San Francisco. There are three or four, I think, in San Francisco. It will. It was going to put one of those at the top of the search engine results. Right. How does it choose which one comes to the top? Well, there's a whole bunch of ways that Google does it, but one of the biggest factors is it says, if I'm going to send this consumer to this place, um, this address or this phone number, it's got to be right. Because if it's not right, the consumer is going to quit using Google. So it looks out at, at all the data for all the different BMW dealerships, and it says, where is the phone number the same everywhere? Where is the address the same everywhere? That's who I'm going to put out first. To, to, to be able to get to. So small businesses, they all want to be, sh- you know, if you're a car dealership, you want to show up when someone says uh, auto dealer in San Francisco. And if you're, a, if you're a shoe repair place, you want to show up. So, uh, you know, so you need the consistent data in those places. And, it's, and to be truthful, it's a mess out there. And it's a mess yeah, it is. for lots of different reasons, but the data story is a mess. But you can take control of that. So one of our, the products that we sell through our partners is the ability to take the data, put it on the main data providers out there, and send that to all of, including, you know, hours of operation and, you know, do you take credit cards and all those right. different things. Yep. You send all that data so it's the same on those sites, and you will show up first, um, and so people will find you. Yeah, and, of course, you have to make your website correct and all these other things. But once sure. you get found... Then, you know, what does your reputation look like in those places? So, speaking about that, people are always complaining to me that um, Google keeps changing its um, algorithms that determine Mm -hmm. the search engine. So, how do you address that, or don't you need to if your information's consistent? Sure. No, no, it's yeah. So you you got it. So you got it. You know why Google changes it? They, they no change idea. it to make it better and to stop people from gaming the system. Right. And so really, the 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 and, and this is a hard thing for some businesses to hear. Some businesses who have a big mess out there. They just say, well, just I just want to be top on Google. But the truth is, it, it's, it's you have to do the work to get there. And the, and the, what the work is is to is to get your data correct in all those places. That's number one. Then it's to have a good web presence. Um, you know, where you put your Facebook, where you put your, you know, your phone number on the homepage, you put your Facebook on the homepage, you've got, you don't have some bunch of flash on there so that, so that the 60% of people that are looking for a small local business that are on a phone can't see it. You know, you have to look at after all these factors. So you, you know, you really need to make sure that you're easy and accessible, but it's all common sense stuff. There's no magic solution and you shouldn't, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of folks online that are saying, Hey, you know, we can put you on the top of Google. All you have to do is pass. And those, those things, 
That's why Google changes their algorithm. Right. These things, it's all about just doing the basic work to put the data that consumers want and make it right. And that's just, it's as simple as that. So if, if you're a, a, any, sort of, any sort of business out there, but let's say you're a, um, a, a little guy, you've got 50 employees or what, whatever you've got. Um, here you've got a medium that is instant and whatever, and it takes you f- forever to manage your online presence. I mean, you could spend your whole life, you could spend 168 hours a week managing your online presence, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you could. I mean, if you did it, and in fact, I think we've done some studies where, you know, to show the value of our product, because this is in fact what our product does, you, you, is part of what it does, is you take that data and you enter it in one place, and we propagate it on your behalf and do all that work for you. So that's, and you know, so that is the value of the product. It saves a bunch of time, and, and it's not expensive. It's, uh, you know, our partners sell that anywhere, you know, it's like 100 bucks a year in some cases. Oh, wow. And, and, okay. and it saves you thousands of hours of time. Very interesting. Okay, because that was going to be my next question. What does it cost? Because, um, but it, 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 am I right in saying that really a a, a person that's um, running a business and you know battling to make payroll every week and you know like ninety percent of businesses, mm-hmm. um, you're much better off getting uh, a service like yours than you are trying to do it yourself. Right, and and um, I don't know if we told you, Bob, but. Uh, we don't sell direct. We we partner with the local media companies. So okay. it would be your local newspaper, your local yellow page, or your local agency that you already you know you already go to to advertise in, the, in any way. Right. So uh, so our product comes as a part of, of somebody that you already know. So uh, we get those folks to sort of look after you. Now, as a small business, I just wanted to address the point you had there. Like a lot of people say that small businesses, and we know they're time starved and we know they do lots of stuff. But what we're finding is that. About half of them are very technically savvy. They might you they might they'll know as much as you know as, as you or I about how they run their business and they, they get involved in that. And then the other half are, are, are scared shitless. You know, maybe right. I should have said that. <laughs> but I, they're they're scared. I understand. So Yeah. And so uh, what we um what we found though is even the folks that are savvy, they, they you know, they they really want to run a business. They want to find somebody to be their you know, their marketing department. Now if you're yeah. if you're a small shop with two people, you know, you need that and even if you're a big shop with fifty people, maybe you're a car dealer, you can you can hire somebody to do it. But and you might have that and you can use the tools that way. So our tools are always DIY, do it yourself, so you yep. can use the do it yourself tool and still save thousands of hours if you're technically savvy. Or if you say, look, I just want someone to do this for me, that's where our partner comes in and they provide, they can do the work, you know, of course, for a fee. They can do that back end work on behalf of the small business. But usually it's somebody who the business is already comfortable with, they trust, they're working with, and, and they can have them take care of them. So where do where do we how do, how does one go about somebody's out there saying geez that like me right now saying geez that sounds like a really good idea um, how do I how do I get the service how do I get um, your service you know that's the hard part about I mean, being in my place we call it being a white label or a white label platform is I would have to find or, you'd have to you know, find I'd tell you depending where you were who is who is in your area so we you know we partner through McClatchy so any McClatchy newspaper right. a Hearst newspaper a Gannett newspaper um, and then there would be any multitude of agencies where you might be able to go to get that product I'll tell you what's interesting about radio, that some radio TV what, me? What's interesting about what you've just said is that 
newspapers, radio and TV. I thought all of those uh, mediums were somewhere between feeling very ill and extinct. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, let's, let's go down the this, uh, yellow pages are close to extinct and very ill. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. um, you know, the newspapers are hurting. Radio and TV are doing quite well. But in general, all of these folks, um, you know, realize that, that where consumers are is changing. Yeah, and, sure that's, is. and that's really what it's all about. And, and so when I say an agency, most of these guys, so uh, I would tell you that of a Yellow Page company now, they've rebranded their names and changed them a bit, but yeah. almost 50% of their revenue now comes from digital products. Sure, so they're that's not, right. So they don't like to think of themselves, and I, I shouldn't even use the term Yellow Pages. And, and newspapers um, are trending that way too. They want, yeah. you know, they, they as, as, as the smaller, like if you're a bike repair shop, you really can't afford to, put a quarter page ad in the newspaper anymore. No. And he really well, you never could, really. Just, yeah. <laughs> 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 so you have to look to, to other people, you know, you have to look sure. to, to search and you have to look to other other digital forms of advertising, Facebook and such. So how, do, how can small small businesses, medium businesses, get um, noticed on social media? How do, how do you do <clears> that? How do you, where do you start? Well, that's that is that is the problem, right? So that, like I said, some of them, you know, you can research, you can put a bunch of time in, and you can, you know, you can do that, or you can go to your the people you've traditionally advertised with, and likely if you're a small business, they're calling on you all the time. I think yeah. the huge it was unbelievable to me how many calls these businesses are getting. Yeah. This is why we've chosen to partner with local companies you can trust. Because if someone calls you up over on the phone and says, I can fix it and make you on the first page, I can do all these wonderful promises for you, you don't know who they are. And um, and many times, you know, there's good companies and bad companies, and many times it's disappointing. So what we've chosen to do is to say we have a, what we believe is a great solution. So we've said we're going to go out to the trusted people out there. We're going to find people that want to really, truly help small, medium businesses. We're going to put our product set in their hands and, uh, and, and hopefully, uh, uh, you know, make that work. So I would say, what I would say to a business today is to go to the people you already buy advertising from and say, what do you have in digital and what do you think of it? And what would yeah. you suggest? And so, um, you know, that most of the time will be a good experience. At some point in time, you guys sat around a table, a board, a boardroom table, and you said, okay, our product's fully developed. Now we can either go out ourselves as an app or whatever, or we can go and white label it to a whole bunch of people and see what the hell happens and put our trust in their hands. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. did you choose to white label rather than go out and um, direct sell? Sure, sure. So there's a so there's a good story about that. Before before we started Vendasta, we started Vendasta in 2008. Um, we were I was with with five of the founders at a different company, right? And we built Caterpillar's global trading system. But one of the big things we did was we built the system for realtors, and we had about 165,000 realtors using this product worldwide. Right. And um, working with realtors individually and 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 going to market to them that way as if they were, you know, because each one is truly a small business, sure. was was really like herding cats. Yeah. And, um, and even though we were in a vertical and word of mouth can spread easier inside the vertical, and we did a, you know, we did a fairly successful job there. But when we started to say, hey, we want to build this reputation product and believe, you know, for backstory is we weren't building that. It was something else. We pivoted right. and we found this huge demand. Sure. And we looked out there and we saw 
there were many, many reputation products for big brands. So right. there's, you know, uh, Radiant sure. 6 and Sysmos sure. and Tecrity yeah. and SM2, and these things are for big brands, big but there was brand, nothing yeah. for the small business. Right. Then it didn't work, and it was easy, accessible, and affordable. But we, we knew that getting to those small businesses was was very, very difficult. And we, because we're a technology company, we said, we need somebody that has, you know, that has feet on the street, that already has an existing relationship with the SMB, yeah. that, that wants to move from the products they're selling, so whether it's print or yellow pages to, yeah. to digital, <laughs> and, and, that, and, and that can, you know, that has a support department so that they can, you know, that we can train them and they can support the product. And so for us, it was kind of a natural move to say, if we want to, help all the small businesses we have to do it with trusted partners right good thinking so who do you admire out there in the in the business world today who's your who's your sort of hero oh man you know i every time i read a new book i get a new hero but i just read uh, peter Thiel's book zero to yep. one yeah and uh it's pretty darn good. So uh, if anyone's listening to that, I would definitely have a, have, a, have a peek at that book. He's a bit of a contrarian, but, um, you know, um, in terms of business, I, I, and I'm assuming you meant business as a yes. hero. Yes, um, sorry. That, yeah. would be, uh, that would be where I would, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with his thinking and what he's done. So you, you're... Um you look at more of a pragmatist than well this is probably unfair but somebody like an Elon Musk who yeah he's my hero every morning I wake up and I think god what's this guy going to come up with today he sort of fits into the um Steve Jobs mold to me too, right eh? Eli, he's, he's, he's a Canadian, but uh, you know that Peter and uh, and uh, Teal and uh, Elon work together. They're part of the PayPal mafia, right? That's right. So they, uh, that's right. Of course. So, of course they were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he had a different payment system, and uh, Elon started one called, I think it was X something, and uh, and and uh, Peter had uh, had PayPal, and they they joined. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you know, the things that he does are fantastic, right? Virgin Atlantic, you know, you, you got to like Richard Branson. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you just got to. Yeah, he's, he, he's certainly... Um, but, you know, the interesting thing about Branson, I mean, if you look at the Virgin brand, there's been, I think, 268 companies or something that have had the Virgin brand, and there's only been half a dozen that have been successful. All the rest have gone by the way. So it was, it was oh, interesting. Oh, you know, everyone talks about... Failure and some people wear it as a badge of success. And there's been a lot of that lately. Oh, I've failed, and I and I think that I, I think that's okay. But I you think it's they, true. You know, the people that talk about failures, they only ever talk about the ones that actually got successful. So so it's okay <laughs> to fail as long as you learn from it and rack up another success behind it. So that's why what's so cool about Branson is you know he knows he, he he's got the successes to, to be okay with the failures. Yeah, that's right. And you you certainly learn a hell you know it's an old cliche, but you certainly learn a hell of a lot more from your failures than you do from your successes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, my degree is so, in physics, so I always think about everything in that way. You know, I think uh, I think about uh, hypothesis and how do we prove it wrong, and then as we prove it wrong, we don't. It's not a failure. It's just a step towards success. Failure yeah. only happens when we give up or lose. That's and right. Only, you know. <laughs> well, you know, if you, if you actually learn from every failure, I should be a bloody genius. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Brendan, thanks very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I really appreciate it. Now, 
If you'd like to find out more about Vendasta, go to V-E-N-D-A-S-T-A dot com. Now, they white label, so how, if somebody goes on to Vendasta, can they find out um, where uh, to find somebody who um, sells your product? Absolutely. We've got a list of partners on there. They'll have a look, and I'm sure they'll be able to find somebody that we can help them. Great. Thanks very much, Brendan. Enjoy the snow. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show right after this short break. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Absolutely No Bullshit Business Radio Show on the Voice America Business Channel, the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs being broadcast from our new studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles where technology meets entertainment. Over the past 10 years, I've worked with startups and early stage companies to help entrepreneurs develop and run successful businesses. And uh, this radio show is all about, also about providing news and information and tips to help small business. Now, every day, millions of people place advertisements on TV, radio and print send emails, soliciting sales, buy Google AdWords, put up billboards and take countless other steps to sell their products and services. Yet research shows that up to 95% of advertisers are dissatisfied with the results that they get. In my experience, most marketing managers believe that only around 25% of their advertising is effective. So why the hell do they keep doing it? The reason? They're stupid. Now, if you're building a brick wall and you want it to be straight and sturdy, survive a storm, look attractive, you've got to follow some rules. And if you screw up any of these rules, for example, the composition of the mortar or don't use a spirit level, the wall will probably be crooked, look terrible and most likely fall down. Communication's the same. Whether it be advertising or trying to get somebody to see things your way, there are 11 keys to producing advertising. <laughs> advertising or communication that works. So grab your tablet or smartphone or a pen and a pad because I'm about to give you a list of the 12 elements that to ensure an effective communication. These are all elements that you need to have in any advertisement or mailer or even an email or a letter in order for your message to be effective. Now, I'm going to go through these in order of importance and I'm going to go through them pretty quickly. The first element is an attention-grabbing headline research. And Ogilvy, even going back all those years, say that 87% of people only read the headline. And body language expert Alan Pease says you only have five to ten seconds to make an impact. So if you send me an email, if the subject line doesn't grab me, I kill the email. So does almost everyone else. Therefore, it's critical to begin any communication with a powerful statement that interests the person you're addressing enough to make them read on. 
the headline's got to be about the customer. You know, most businesses think they're important. They think what they do is important, but the customer doesn't give a rat's ass about you. They only care about them. So if you want your headline to be effective, you've got to make it a benefit to the customer. Have a look at your brochures. Have a look at your advertising. See how many of them are about the customer. And uh, think about a $1 bill and a $20 bill. Same size, same paper, same ink. So why do you grab the 20 Because it's a much more powerful message. So it's not the vehicle you use, it's the message. The second most important um, element in any communication is the graphic. 65% of people will look at the graphic. And this must relate directly to the product and the headline and how the customer can benefit. It must convey a strong emotional appeal to the potential customers for them to continue reading. The third most important element in any communication is the caption under the graphic. Once people look at the graphic, they'll look at the caption. And this caption is a perfect opportunity to reinforce the benefit of the sales pitch you are making. The fourth most important element in any communication is the consumer purchasing benefit. Now, your consumer purchasing benefit is the most powerful emotional reason that differentiates you from your competitors in the customer's subconscious mind. You must have a strong CPB. Think about the power of Coppertone CPB. Tan, don't burn. It says what you want and what you don't want in three words. It's fantastic. Wheaty says breakfast of champions. So you're going to feed your kid breakfast of the champions eating and serve them some other crap that nobody else wants. Disneyland's the happiest place on earth. That works for 44,000 people a day for the last 60 years. So you don't want your customers to make a decision based on their first reaction in their, in their conscious mind. You want them to purchase in their subconscious mind. Now, the fifth most important element in any communication is to sell benefits. You only promote benefits. Nobody ever buys features, <coughs> um, which is more likely to attract you. A line saying, our hairdressing salon has 24 hairdressers, or a line saying, in our salon, we guarantee that you will not have to wait, you know? So they've got 24 chairs. I don't give a rat's ass. I've only got one bum. So I don't need 24 chairs. What I need is they know that I'm not going to be kept waiting. And uh, since emotion's the key driver of all our decisions and people only respond to benefits, the sixth most important element of any communication is to put an emotional hook into those benefits. Now, Pfizer did a very detailed study, and they're pretty good at selling people stuff. And they showed that maximum sales impact was made when three emotional benefits were included in the sales pitch. So once more than three emotional benefits were promoted, the messages became less effective. The seventh element that will strongly increase the response to communication is added value. This offer acts as a very strong purchase incentive. Added value attracts up to 46% more response now, this can be helpful information, a bonus product, invitation to an introductory program, something that's an unexpected benefit to the customer. Along the same lines, another element that will dramatically increase the likelihood of a positive response 
is a risk reversal. Risk reversal increases patronage and sales by up to 50%. This can be a money-back guarantee, match the competitors' prices, testimonials, and a bunch of other stuff. The ninth element required to increase the likelihood of a purchase or a decision in your favour is to have a clear call to action and make that call to action as simple as possible. It's amazing how often in letters, advertisements and in face-to-face sales, nobody asks the potential customer to make a decision or to do anything. And if you don't ask people to do something, they won't do anything. The tenth element that will greatly increase positive decisions in your favour is to apply the neuro-linguistic programming test. Now, I haven't got time to go into this much, but everybody's thinking and communication process is driven by one or a combination of characteristics. In simple terms, there are simply th- there are essentially three characteristics. There's auditory, kinesthetic, and visual, and they can be further broken down. But approximately 45% of the pr- population are visual, 35% are kinesthetic, and 20% is auditory. This va- varies from culture to culture and con- country to country, but and NLP is not voodoo. If you go to Barnes & Noble or Amazon, there are thousands of books on neuro-linguistic program. And the final element in creating a great effective communication message is to test, test, test. You need to prepare several variations and test them, modify them, test them, modify them, and test them again until you come up with the most effective variation. So communication is not just about putting something together. It's carefully constructing the elements that produce results. Abraham Lincoln said, if I had eight hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend six hours sharpening the axe. When you're preparing your advertising, how long does it take, do you spend sharpening sharpening the axe? I hope you've enjoyed the show. Between now and next week, remember... If you're not really pushing the envelope, I mean really pushing the envelope, and if you're not living on the edge, you're just taking up far too much space. Piss off, get let somebody else go through, because it's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard, and I look forward to your company again next week when I will again broadcast from our new studio on Hollywood Boulevard, sitting actually looking over... Johnny Depp's house. And this is where technology meets entertainment. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.